Crime Time Tuesday. True Crime Creeps, we're back again. Thanks for joining us. Derek's here as always. Say hi, Derek. Hello. There he is. There's Derek. Um, I'm going to do something a little different this week. I am going to do, like, I'm going to call it the Midwest Murder Mashup because I'm going to do some shorter stories because I wanted to do a um, case from, like, my hometown while once I got to digging, they're really, I mean... There really wasn't as much to it as I thought, so I'm like, well, you know what? I'm just going to do, like, three from, like, our area here. And the first one, there isn't a whole lot to this one, so I'm going to get this one out of the way, but I just thought it was kind of interesting because, again, where we live, just stuff typically doesn't happen. So this seems really extreme for this. Um, So this one happens in 1942, January 17th. Um, There are two mass killings within 36 hours of each other. Again... Where we live doesn't happen. Like, people don't even, you know, you can leave your car running at the gas station for the whole time you're in there, and then some chatting it up with other people in there, and no one would even think to steal your car, you know? Where do we live? What do you mean, where do we live? Well, I know where we live, but maybe everyone doesn't know where we live. We live um, in rural Wisconsin, so it's by Ellsworth, Wisconsin, um, in Pierce County. Pierce County's got a bunch of little towns, and basically it's going to be cases from Pierce County. Um, So, again, this one happens January 17th, 1942. Um, The first one is Thomas Siepel, who is 33 years old. Um, He kills all six of his family members on their family farm in Plum City, Wisconsin, which, again, that's in Pierce County. It's a, I mean, what, probably... Like 30 minutes away or uh, 25 minutes away from here. Yeah, I'd say like 20 to 25 minutes away from, like, where we're sitting right now. Um we go down there once in a while. There's a little like trout pond thing. That Which I... thing is Plum City? What do they got? That's at Plum the one. City? With, that's the one with the little trout pond that I took the kids to this summer, where we took and fed the trout and stuff. You know. Yeah. And then they have the Beeves Bar and stuff like that. It's where you know. Aunt... It's like if you're going down. Uh, it's like if where you go down um, ten, and instead of going left towards uh, your friends, keep going straight. Yep. Is yep. that how you get to Plum City? Yep. Or, yeah, if you go out back where I used to live and you take that back road down that big hill or whatever, and then kind of where my my uncle lives, by Weezer Concrete or whatever. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. All right. It's down in that area, kind of. Um, So, yeah, Thomas Siepel, he's 33 years old. He kills his wife and his five young children before turning the gun on himself. Um, So, since this happened in 1942, I could not find literally anything... That specified to a motive. There was no other details. Nothing. The only reason I'm doing this one is because, like I said, 36 hours hours of each other in the same little county is unheard of for us. So that's the reason I'm doing this one. But literally no other thing. I found one newspaper clipping, which I will post on our Instagram account. So all these three cases you're talking about all happened within 36 hours of each other. No. No. Just this first case. Oh. Just this first case that I'm talking about. So, this has the least information about it. That's why I'm doing that one first. Okay. So, yeah, I'm glad you cleared it up. Not all three of these happened within 36 hours of each other. Just this one case in 1942 happened within 36 hours. So, Thomas Siepel obliterates his whole family, um, turns a gun on himself. Next, now this is the other one that happened within the 36 hours. James Simisek, I'm assuming I'm saying that right. It's C-I-M-I-S-E. E-K. 
is a 20 year 20 year old um farm boy he's kind of helping on a like that's what we all do a lot of the teenagers around here do they go and help on neighboring farms um so he was a um farmhand on um the i'm gonna probably butcher this but the petten farm um he stabbed mrs arthur petten now i don't know if her name was pretty or if they just called her pretty they um so like she he kills mrs arthur Petan, or Petan, who was 29 years old, and her three children. He stabbed them all to death on a Thursday afternoon. He confessed to using a 7-inch hunting knife and a 32 um, revolver. He then took a 5-gallon container of kerosene and poured it around the kitchen and parlor and set it on fire. Again, there was really no motive, no nothing, like literally no other evidence of this on the internet except this one short newspaper clipping, like I said, I will post on there. So, as far as information goes, this is the least information and the least interesting because I don't have any of that information. I just personally, being from here, thought it was interesting because, again, it doesn't happen. What are the odds of two mass killings in 36 hours in this county? Like, that just is insane to me. Yeah. You know? So, I don't know what was going on. I don't know why. I wish I had answers for you, but I don't. So, that's case number one. Okay? Literally no other information for you. Sorry about that. The next two have more information, so we'll dive into that a little bit. So the next two are not in the first. They're no, two they have those first cases there. Yep, just that, just that, just those two: Thomas Sepal, who killed his wife, and um, James Simasek, who killed his uh, essentially his his employer's wife and kids. Um, that was the two that happened within the thirty-six hours. What? I have one. I'm already annoyed with you thing because to say. you keep you're not understanding, and I feel like you're retarded. What I am just you, want. you know because I'm coming into this cold. You yep. have already researched it. I'm just a bystander. Yes, but I've already explained it like several times. Right, I know. What do you need to know? So it's 1942. It's 1942. We're in Nowheresville, Wisconsin, right. especially in 1942. Really, Nowheresville. Yes. Um. How, you know, I wonder if these people were in World War Two. Were they, did they come back already from uh, a rotation overseas and are all fucked up, uh, you know? Like, I mean, theoretically, very... yeah, but like I said, I have zero answers. That is obviously a possibility given the time of this, but I Obviously, ca- it doesn't I, I say nothing about that. Yeah, I, like I said, there. I literally searched their names, I searched the dates, I searched the county. Literally no other, no other information that I could find other than this one newspaper clipping and I took it because I thought it was interesting because shit does not happen here. So the fact that there was two big, like, family annihilation sort of things in 36 hours here blew my mind. I just wanted to bring it up. I I don't have any other information other than that. I wish I did because it's intriguing. Like, there's no motive. They don't even have a motive on the newspaper, you know, as yeah. to why. But you're right. I mean, given the time, it, it very well could have been. They could have had PTSD they could have, um, maybe they didn't get to go. I knew, I know at the time, like, that was, like, a big deal. Uh, I mean, you didn't get to go, like, men were, like, I don't know if they were, like, depressed over it almost, or, like, shamed. People were committing suicide who weren't able to go. Right, like, so I don't know if it had something to do with that, so who knows what. I mean, it literally could be anything. It could have been just, maybe the one guy just didn't get paid enough and he was pissed, or maybe the, the one that, you know, killed his wife and kids, Maybe he just blew up one day. Who knows what? It could have been anything. I just, I don't have answers for that one. 
Are you good if I moved along now? Yes. Cool. Okay. The second one is pretty pretty well known around this area, as this is probably the, mo- the most recent one that I'm going to cover today. Um, Patricia Keys, uh, she was 66 years old. She enters Langer's Bar, um, kind of down in the El Paso area. Remember where we just were for yes. dinner with the neighbors? This is still in Pierce County, I yep, believe, right? St- yep, still Pierce County. All these are in Pierce County, like I explained before, but you don't listen to anything I fucking say, so here we go. El Paso um, area goes down um, to Langer's Bar, and she orders a drink, and flat out tells everyone, I killed my husband. Actually, I think the first thing she said was, my husband's dead. And they were kind of like, okay, all right, you know. And then she says, no, I I killed him. And from the sounds of it, she was already kind of weird and people knew that. So they didn't really, like, think much of it. Mm -hmm. But then, like, the longer they sat there, they realized, like, I think she's got blood on her. Like, she's got blood on her shirt and her face and stuff, you know, like, smudges and stuff. So someone finally does take her seriously. And around 6 p.m. that night, the police are called. And they come in and, you know, they arrest her. Um, They only lived, according to Rivertowns.net, they only lived like two-tenths of a mile away from Langer's Bar. So, I mean, she most likely either walked, I mean, possibly drove there, but she most likely just walked over there afterwards. Um, So, anyway, the police go to the home. um, And when they get there, like, there is evidence of blood and whatever, but there's no one in the home at this time. But they do see drag marks. Um, and they do find her husband, 60-year-old Dean Keys, um, shot multiple times out by the wood line of their property. Um, he had been shot 14 times uh, in the head, neck, and chest area. What year was this? This was 2015. It was So this happened on July 10th, 2015, which was a Friday. Okay. So this is, like I said, this is the most recent one. Um, so her, they found her husband near the woodline of their property. They find out that Patricia had used a kitchen rug to drag his body from the home out to the property line there where they found his body. Um, she was immediately put on a $250,000 cash bond and was being charged with first-degree intentional homicide. However, her attorney... Uh, questioned her mental health. Uh, when he did his initial consultation with her, something just didn't seem right. Things weren't clicking, you know. She wasn't quite understanding, like, what was going on or, like, the severity of things. Um, so she was... T- he took her to Eau Claire in at Mayo Clinic and found out that she had an undiagnosed stroke two years ago. So oh. she must have... So to go undiagnosed, odds are she must have had some sort of episode at that time to say, yep, it was two years ago, you know, whatever. But, um, and, and when the doctor said that to her, she gasped. Like, she was like, oh, like, she didn't even know, like, anything had happened to her. Um, and then they also found, uh, that she had dementia and softening of the brain tissue, which indicates possible Alzheimer's as well. Um. How old was she? She was 66. Okay. So, um, at her first hearing, she didn't seem real coherent. Uh, she kept saying, like, can you just take me home now? You know, she didn't realize the severity of what had happened. While she was looking that up, 
I'm still sitting here drinking a lime bubbly water. Um, Can't we just edit this out? Why can't anybody have to talk about this <laughs> and just fill the gap? Not quite as good as a PBR, but it's, it is something. So when she got brought in to be questioned, like I said, you know, she was confused. She didn't, you know, her, her um, attorney didn't think that things were adding up. So some of the things that he noticed was, you know, the investigators were telling her, you know, your husband's dead. And she'd be like, oh, he is? And they'd be like, yeah. And she would kind of hem and haw. And then, you know, she'd say things like, oh, I guess I shouldn't have done that. You know, like not, just things weren't adding up to them by the way her reactions were. Um, she said that um, at one point she remembers cleaning up red around the house and that she had to move uh, her husband outside because there, he had red on him and she didn't want him to get red all over the house. So, oh. you know, it's it's very apparent that something's not quite right with her. Um, so after, even though she's at this time being charged with this first degree intentional homicide, Judge Boyles, who I actually got to meet, I, I won a thing in like sixth grade or it was either sixth grade or eighth grade. I, I won this, like I had to write a political paper and I won this thing to go to the to the courthouse and I got to like meet the judge and talk with him and all this stuff but so he um agreed um after after the attorney filed like an appeal to to get her some sort of psych evaluation he agreed and let her do a 15 day inpatient um psych evaluation at the Mendota Mental Institution so she went and did that and they did deem her unfit for trial um, she, she wasn't, um, competent to stand trial. Um, so basically they, they kind of were at a standstill. They weren't really sure what to do. I, I'm, you know, again, small town, I'm sure they really didn't even know how to like proceed with this, but it turns out that fell into the category of, of, of something classified as a chapter 51 or a chapter 55 situation. A, a chapter 51 applies to a person's mental health and a chapter 55 did I say 55 the first time or 51? You said 51. Okay, so 51 applies to the mental health. 55 applies to the state's protective services system. So my guess is like that's more of like a vulnerable person protective system. So, you know, if she's not coherent and doesn't know what she's doing, they can't just throw her in a prison with people who know what the fuck they're doing. Like they can't do that to her. Um, so... They basically, uh, had said, her attorney had said, quote, we're in new territory now. And they were at a standstill. They didn't really know what to do at this point. Um, in the end, it, they were trying to get her back into, like, the Eau Claire health system, um, or the Winnebago health facility, which is, I believe, where, where she ended up going and staying for the rest of her time. Um, but they did say that, for him to be shot 14 times with a 22 caliber rifle, she would have had to reload that. She shot him with a 22 caliber rifle? Rifle. Right. So, to the head, neck, and torso area. So, to do that, they said that she would have had to reload that gun at least three times. Yeah, I was going to say, depending on, like, Connor's little 22, I think you can fit... Connor is our son, by the way. That's... Yeah. yeah, I think you can fit either 10... 10 or 12 rounds in the little magazine. Mm -hmm. um, well, whatever one she had, it just, they, that was one of the things they were brought to evidence to, you know, you know, they have to have people also trying to prove that she is competent and whatever. 
And that was one of the things they brought up is that she had to at least reload that rifle three separate times to, to continue <laughs> shooting him. So, and again... And he probably didn't... It took him a while probably to die because he tried to shoot someone with a twenty two. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to die right away. You would have to shoot them a shitload of times. Right. Unless you just put the gun right up to their head and shoot them through the eye of the ball or something. Maybe, you know? yeah. But, I mean, like I said, most of the damage was done to his upper body. So, obviously, you know, he was... I, I mean, obviously, we know now that he was dead, but he was, like, fatally injured at some point during that, and she was aiming for those things. Again, there's really no reason for this, but I've personally worked with many Alzheimer's and dementia patients, and I can tell you firsthand, I've had my ass literally handed to me by some of these patients because they don't know what's going on. They, they some of them hallucinate, some of them are completely in a different realm. They think that you're other people or other objects or other beings. I mean... I don't know that that's what was happening to her, but I can say from personal experience that this is something that can happen. You know, like I said, I have been physically hurt. I've had broken bones by patients that have had Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, Like I was telling you the one time with my best friend and I, when we both worked there, I hear her yelling for help down the hall and I go in there and there's a resident with a wire hanger just whipping her, you know, with all of their might, just whipping her back, you know, as if she's, you know, a slave or something, you know, having done something wrong. And I'm trying to help her. I mean, I've seen some crazy stuff. I've been a part of some crazy stuff. Like, they don't comprehend reality, you know. And sometimes they do. That's what's weird is, or at least sometimes that you think they do. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they actually do in their mind, but sometimes it's like you can have a conversation with them and it seems as if they're totally coherent. And then there's other times where it's like, you know, they have no clue who you are or what you're doing or why you're doing it. Like there's no rhyme or reason to, to their thought process. Yeah. And even if she did shoot him that many times and had to reload, I mean, if she was competent with a rifle, even if she does have dementia or whatever, you always keep your you me- keep muscle your memory, muscle memory right. of, of things. Even if you're completely out of your mind, you still always know. Oh yeah, how to do things. Yeah, that like you know that's how one of the do. that's actually one of the last things to go with your with your mind is a lot of your muscle memory stuff. That's a lot of the last things to go. You know, when you're losing, you, you know. Yeah, because she probably learned how to shoot memory. a twenty-two when she was a kid. So well, especially if she lived around here, like yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so, I mean, though there's no given motive, my guess is she just really didn't know what was going on. And either maybe something happened there where he did or said something that set her off and she did this, or or she just legit did not realize what she was doing and thought he was something else or or whatever. Yeah, and the 22 could have just been sitting there yeah. for years in the living room or who knows what. Well, I mean, think about it. Like, right now, I know for sure my mom's got guns by the doors, right. you know, just in... They live in the middle of nowhere. Like, yeah, it's, you not, would be, it's not uncommon right, at all. Right, it's not uncommon around here. Actually, I just noticed that Connor had one hanging up above the stairwell downstairs. Yeah, I as put a it queasy, in his room. Yeah, as a queasy, quick, easy, you know, grab at whatever thing just in case. Like, yeah. People do that around here. I know it might sound weird to some of you, but that's not weird around here to just have one sitting by a door just in case. Which, that's actually a good lead-in to the next story that I'm going to cover because uh, the next story happened December 1994. Um, so, 
Donald and Kathleen Dice are at home in their country home. They get a knock on the door to um, some young kids saying that they're having car trouble and they need to use the phone. Oldest trick in the book right there. Yep. But, I mean, again, I have, like, been that kid, you know. I, I have had, I have been that kid, like, shit, you know, when you're out in the middle of nowhere and your car breaks down and you don't have a cell phone because guess what? I was before cell phone time, or actually I was right on the brink of cell phone time. Like, Well, even so, in 1994, no one was really... Right, at this time, yes, but I'm saying with me personally, you know, I got my license when I was 17 and so that, I don't know what, fuck, that was like 2004 or five somewhere in that region. That was, you know, still new cell phone time and my parents didn't let me get one right away. You know, um, but I've, so I've been that kid where something has happened. You have to just walk to the closest neighbor's house, hope they're home, hope that they're nice enough to answer the door for you and let you use their phone to call home, say, yep, my car's broken down or whatever, flat tire, whatever. So 99, December, 1994, no cell phones. And again, this is not uncommon for this area for something like this to happen. You help your neighbor. That's just what you do. You help people if they, you know, need help. So Donald is 69, Kathleen is 68, they're both home, you get a knock on the door um, to some kids saying, you know, our car broke down, we're having car trouble, can we please use your phone? So, being this area and being the people that they are, they let them in and are immediately shot to death. Damn. Yep. So, Donald was shot um, in the back of the head twice, and then Kathleen was shot also, and I believe she was actually, no, so Donald was shot twice in the face, and then Mrs. Dice was shot in the back of the head with a rifle. Um, the rifle. With a rifle. I don't believe that it says what kind of rifle, it just said a rifle. So, I mean, that could be anything, really, any, most likely a hunting gun of some kind is probably my guess. Because any younger person isn't going to have, like, a handgun. a handgun or whatever. They're going to, and especially this area, they're going to have hunting Everyone gun. I mean, everyone's a got a hunting gun from the time. at six or whatever. Yeah. Everybody here has got a hunting gun by the time they're probably like five years old. I mean, so yeah. whatever. The perpetrators then go on to steal $600 from their home. So essentially they were murdered for $600, which is probably the most ridiculous thing ever, you know, like, fucked up. I mean, I guess to a younger person, whatever. It turns out within th- within three days these people are arrested. Um, the The perpetrator is twenty one year old Arthur Foster and two juveniles. So he's twenty one. He's got two younger people with him. Later on, we find out that the two other people with him are Ryan Robert Beckler and his fifteen year old girlfriend. Um, Beckler is actually kind of a pretty common. Uh, family name around here, so there's a lot of Becklers, so I'm sure somebody around here is related to them. Um, I actually went to school with some Becklers. Um, But yeah, Arthur Foster was arrested and charged with first-degree intentional homicide, two counts of robbery, um, one count for each victim of robbery with threat of force, felony in possession of a firearm, possession of a firearm silencer, and burglary. Um, I don't know what the difference is between robbery and burglary, I think one is like burglary is uh, like possession and entering. I believe. Oh, okay. Burglary, I think you have to break something to get in. Okay. The burglary, I, I think. Maybe robbery, I think, is steal actually stealing shit. So in my brain, robbery and burglary are kind of the same thing. It's just would be 
different things that you took. Because burglary, I think you can commit where there's no one home, is burglaring the house. Mm-hmm. But robbery is someone so, is there that you okay. robbed. Okay, you know I guess I mean? in my brain it was like robbery is like money, burglary is like items, but I, I have no fucking clue. That would just be my guess. But So there are different things. He ends up entering a plea agreement and is found guilty of two counts of homicide. Everything else was dropped for him. Um, he is now sentenced to life in prison in Wapan Correctional Institution. He's up for parole in 2050, so 21 plus... I mean, I can't even... You do the math. I'm not doing the math right now. Um, he did try to appeal his conviction on the grounds that the judge suppressed statements from his family, uh, or from a, from, um, a family friend. So Foster makes statements to a family friend that he wants to be allowed in court. The judge suppressed that, which... I mean, whatever. At this point, who cares? Like, it's there's already witnesses that know you did this. Yeah. People were there. Um, then, so that was denied September of 1996. That appeal was denied. October 2009, another appeal is denied after he claims he was coerced into an Alford plea. Um, an Alford plea is basically an agreement saying that you're not saying you're guilty. But that there's... You're still pleading guilty, though. You're, yes, you are still pleading guilty, but you're not admitting you're guilty. Right. But there is a shit ton of evidence pointing to you, basically. Basically, like, if you went to trial, you'd get convicted of it. So you're saying you're guilty, but you're not... Like, you're pleading guilty on paper, but you're physically not admitting any guilt. Yeah. If that makes sense. That's so, what the West Memphis Three got out on. Right. Eventually. Exactly. So so that's that's what an Alford plea is. Um, he's saying he was coerced into that plea. However, um, there's no evidence of that. And then that ends up going to a, a three panel, a three judge panel, and they all deny it. So he's going to sit in rotten jail, which rightfully so. So Ryan Beckler gets 25 years on each count of felony murder. So for both victims, he gets so basically 50 years. Um, he's in Oshkosh Correctional Facility. Parole is June 17th of... 2011, which I don't believe that he got, and his mandatory release date is May 17th of 2028. However, that's not really where our story ends, and this is the part that I find kind of interesting. Um, It turns out that the Dice's daughter, Noreen, she was not home that night. She was the one who ended up coming home, discovering their bodies, which, how traumatic is that? I mean, I I can't... How old was she at the time? I can't tell you her age. I, I don't know. It didn't say what her age was. Again... These rural papers don't give you all the information yeah. like like a big, famous case would. Um, but anyway, she comes home, finds her parents deceased. Um, so, in 2010, Ryan Beckler writes a letter to the family apologizing and saying, basically, he wants to kind of make amends. And, you know, he doesn't expect any forgiveness or anything like that, but he wants to prevent this from happening again. He wants to do good with his situation. He doesn't want anyone to ever have this happen again. Um, So he writes a letter in 2010. However, that letter did not get to the family until 2012. At this time is when Noreen discovers this letter and she decides for her own piece that she's going to write to him. Um, So she writes to um, Ryan Beckler about, you know, about all this. And she ends up actually going to meet him. And I think Oshkosh, I don't, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's around, like, four hours away from here. So she drives, like, the four hours to go and, like, talk with him. Mm-hmm. 
And so she has a conversation about him with him and like they both end up crying and like, you know, coming to kind of a mutual peace. And she even admits like, I needed this for myself, for closure, for whatever. And now she like, you know, she can forgive and, and move past it. And she wants to actually like help him help other people. Yeah. Um, to get through this and to, and to, I don't know, to, to prevent this from ever happening again. Um, which is kind of a crazy thought, you know, like befriending your parents' killer. But you have to remember, he was 16 at the time. You know, Arthur Foster was 21, but he himself was only 16. And he was actually the one who called the police and turned everybody in. Oh, shit. Right. Well, that's good. Yeah, so she ended up, like, thanking him, like, because without him, this case would have gone unsolved. And she would have been just sitting there never knowing who did this and why, you know? So, though he did wrong, I guess in the end he sort of did the right thing. Um, and now, because of his letter that he gave to the family, like, now there is closure and peace brought brought upon this, you know? Um I just think that that was kind of a cool thing for him to do. And, and, and now they're, I went, I don't know if I'd go as far to say they're friends per se, but they, you know, they do keep in touch and they, they are trying to work together to, to, to make something good happen from this. So. What was the motive? Were they like, how did it come that they're stopping at a house to commit murder and rob? I honestly, any... so, so. It didn't really say, like, like, obviously the motive was robbery. That's what they were there for. They they wanted money. They wanted things, you know, at least as Arthur Foster did. Um, the other two, I think, were more just kind of along for the ride. And you know how you get involved with stupid, shady people. Or, or sometimes you even think, okay, they say they're going to do this, but they're not really going to do this, you know, yeah. type thing. Um, so the motive was, was money and, 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 you know, anything that they get their hands on worth of value, really. But... What was the other part of your question? I was just wondering what the motive was. Like, how, what led up to that, that they ended up yeah, that, coming I mean, that, up with that idea. That was go. really it. And, to, and they didn't pick them, like, on purpose. Like, they, they didn't pick that house with purpose. I think, most likely, again, rural area. I'm guessing that it just happened to be a rural enough, you know, sort of home where there's not really much else around. People went hear anything well i guess they did use a silencer so you know it's at least as far as the possession of firearm possession of firearm silencer you know as far part of the charges so but anyway my point was i was going to say maybe they did this um because there won't be people around like neighbors around to hear gunshots you know yeah um not that even if people did hear gunshots around here you wouldn't think much about it I mean, people shoot rabbits, squirrels, Yeah, especially deer. if you're in the actual rural area. Right, no like no one ever think thinks about that. So uh, really, I think the dice is, unfortunately, we're just a wrong place, wrong time situation. And Arthur Foster wanted some money and, and or items to pawn or to, to whatever, wanted some things. And th this just happened to be a, not a spur of the moment, but a, um, what do you call that? Spree? Not a spree, um. Not a spur of the moment, just a, a an spontaneous. act of spontaneous, like a spontaneous um, choosing. You know, like they just chose that house at random, more more or less, probably because of the location. Is my guess. However, there's lots of them around here, but 
you know, if you can get on a rural road and there's no neighbors around, I mean, it could be miles before the next neighbor is, you know, so. I can't picture at 16 driving around, you know, and then with the idea of we're going to go rob the house for money. Mm -hmm. Like, because I did do some crazy shit as a teenager. Right. But. I can't imagine going into that, like, wanting money that badly to go do that. Like, yeah, but I mean, so... Unless you're, like, just all fucked up or you're... I don't know. I'm not sure. Right. Seems crazy. It does seem crazy, but I mean, a lot of crazy, dumb... A lot of young people around here, because there's not a whole lot to do, a lot of people do do dumb shit like this, you know? And I mean, I shouldn't say dumb shit like murder, but they'll drive around getting drunk you know, do something really stupid like vandalize somebody something or whatever. Like, as an example, the gas station closest to our house. I personally have hung out with, no and used to be really good friends with the people who armed robbed that place. Knowing him now, you would never guess that. Like, he's the funniest, nicest, most caring guy ever. But when he was a young teen, that just seemed like something fun to do, you know, or whatever. Yeah. You know, even with most likely no intention of actually hurting anyone, yeah, taking an unloaded gun and, you know, being like, oh, I'm going to take your fucking money, whatever. It just, I don't know. It just, it's, it's stupid. Yeah. And he served his time and whatever. You would never, ever guess in a million years that he would do something like that. He's just the nicest guy ever. And he's funny and he's kind and he's helpful. Like, so... It's it's hard. It's really just hard to say. It's just around here there is so little to do, and I'm not blaming the lack of stuff to do necessarily on on these people or whatever, and on this situation. I'm just saying that I, I don't know. I mean, drugs could have been a factor. Alcohol could have been a factor. They're probably listening to heavy metal music. Maybe. They're probably listening I mean, to Ozzy and it just got a little bit too out of control. Yeah, I mean, that was it, you know? <laughs> it just, music was, just led them straight to the fucking devil himself. And they, the devil told them, like, you need to go do this shit because that's what I want for you. I don't know. Again, you know, the motive is, you know, was robbery, but I can't imagine why. But I'm not them, so I don't know. I, I mean, why does anybody do anything, yeah. really? And it sucks, but that's that. I mean, there there really is no excuse. There's never an excuse for murder, really. But I'm just saying, you know, like, people I know who have done dumb things like that, I mean, obviously, usually, yeah, drugs or alcohol are involved, but sometimes it's just they think they're tough and they're rebellious and they're whatever, and because, like, first of all, why is a twenty-one-year-old and a sixteen and fifteen-year-old hanging out anyway? Well, I mean, that's I, already. I always had people that were older than See, me. See, I, di- I, I didn't. I didn't until I was an adult, pretty much. Well, until I guess until I was like seventeen, eighteen. Then, even now, most of, I'm actually one of the youngest of my friends. Um, but that when I was young, I didn't hang out with a crowd that was much older than me, and the crowd that I did hang out with really wasn't doing a lot of bad things. They weren't doing drugs and alcohol. Granted, a couple of my friends were 16 and pregnant sort of thing, but, you know, like, I didn't do drugs or alcohol really until I was at least 18. Yeah. You know, I didn't hang out with that crowd. However, I did know a lot of people who 
did do those things and did hang out with that crowd. So who knows why anybody does anything. But I think a lot of it has to do with just pure rebellion, pure um, angry at the world bullshit, you know. And they think they're tough and that they can get away with anything. And I mean, like like Noreen, the, the daughter, said, you know, this would have been an unsolved case had Ryan not done the right thing and come forward. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I mean. That's a lot for Pierce County. That's for It sure. is. But that's why I thought it was so interesting. Granted, I mean, we, again, we have like a, a something like this happen, what, every, so that was 94 and then the next one was 2015. So every 11 years, maybe. And then the one that I could find before that for murder was the 1942 one. So, I There hasn't mean, been a murder, well, I guess 2015, but I don't even remember that, that, you know. I do, I do. Because I've been here that. since 2012. Right. And I don't remember that. I remember that, but I mean, you are essentially not from here, so you don't talk to the people like I talk. You're not social with yeah, people no like one I wouldn't. I wouldn't have no clue that happened unless someone right. physically told me about it. Right, and I most likely odds are I heard it from someone in my family because you know I have a lot of family members that hang out at Langer's Bar, and that's most likely where I originally heard it is through my family because my family's lived here for fucking ever and whatever and most likely they're like just like any other small town hey did you hear what happened at langer's bar hey did you hear what happened to so-and-so like you know yeah you don't have that connection people with here yet because you're not originally from here and unless you were like with me at the time that i heard it you wouldn't right you wouldn't know yeah no one's gonna reach out to me to let me know about that <laughs> right because you wouldn't know them anyways nor the place nor the situation yeah, or anything like, really what are you talking you about know? i've never heard of that bar exactly so you know it's it's not quite the same for you as it is for me. But at first, like when I first heard about this, I'm like, oh my God, was that my, was that my third grade teacher? Cause I had a Mrs. Keys for my teacher who, um, I'll post a picture, um, of Patricia Keys on here, but, um, she kind of has like reddish, reddish hair. And my third grade teacher also, Mrs. Keys had reddish hair. And I'm like, oh my God, is that her? It's not her. But, um, at, at first that was my first thought because my third grade teacher is amazing. And I'm like, man, I, if, if that was her, like, I couldn't even imagine what would bring her to that but luckily it was not her i don't know this keys personally so that's that's a definitely a good thing but yeah that pretty much wraps it up unless you have any questions i think that's pretty much it so yes i realized this one was a little choppy and i apologize for that um it did not go as i expected it to nor how i wanted it to go i don't know if i'll do another midwest murder mashup or any murder mashup because i i personally don't feel it went as well as i thought it did if you thought it went all right and you'd like to hear more kind of short cases like this, feel free to email us at dtdimension at protonmail.com. We're yet to get an email, so if you feel like emailing us, feel free. No, uh, oh, well, we did get an email, but that's because I, re I you reached out. I was going to say, to a few and people. you emailed me on my other email through that email, so oh. we know it works at least. So we've got at least two, me and you, yeah. plus at least ten other people. Who possibly could be hearing this. <laughs> yes, so thank you, 10 people, for joining us. Um, but yeah, you can look at the Instagram uh, as well for Crime Time Tuesday. There's going to be pictures that I'll put up there. Um, I'm not sure what I'll do next week. I'm going to do another rural case, but I'm going to try to have one that has more information um, on it. Because I also like kind of having, like, what's the motive? What's, like, I like having resolution, too. I just thought this was a little bit interesting 
maybe it's more interesting for me than it is for you because it's my hometown. Um, and some of the, you know, like the ones from 1942, I didn't know about, I didn't even know about the one from 1994, the dice murders. I didn't know that either. Um, so I just found it interesting and I think it'd be interesting for the people that live around here. Sorry to the rest of you that don't. Um, yeah. Also, I wanted to say if uh, you're listening to this and you're getting any value out of it in, in any way, if you're if this has entertained you for the last 40 minutes and you feel like you got some value out of it, feel free to go to our website, doublethoughtdimension.com. Um, underneath, uh, as you scroll down, there's a donate button. Uh, you can donate any amount that you want. If you feel that you received any value whatsoever, uh, that's up to you. Um, you can make it a monthly donation, or you could just do it one time. Uh, anything is welcome. <laughs> you think they're going to donate to this, where I'm sitting here telling you that you're an idiot for not listening to me? A bickering husband and wife, you want to listen to that shit all day long? Well, see, here's the thing, you know, because what? you could turn what? on the radio and listen to a bunch of uh, canned bullshit, uh, where no one says what they actually think, or you could turn on this, uh, we have no... Um, advertisers no agenda no uh nothing and we just say anything we want with no filter yeah i swear all the time and no one's telling me not to so i'm going to continue that yeah so if that if it's up your alley feel free to go to doublethoughtdimension.com go down uh click on the thing uh and donate any amount you want and i know it works because i am a monthly donator <laughs> to my own podcast just to prove that the thing worked on the website so it does work uh Feel free to check it out. Please donate. We're poor. <laughs> Please. We're extremely poor we're and we poor. have a, a donated mic and we're um, just doing doing the best we can here in our uh, unprofessional um, whatever. So anyway, join us next week. Don't forget to check out the Instagram page. Um, Crime Time Tuesday. Crime Time Tuesday. At Crime Time Tuesday, but it's it's crime it's be at Crime underscore Time underscore Tuesday. Check it out; pictures will be up there. Um, and next week you'll be surprised, as will I, because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing next week yet. So take it easy, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Crime Time Tuesday.